Tonight I want to speak on come and see the sovereign God. Come and see the sovereign God. How do we see sovereignty? How do we see the invisible? God is a spirit. He is invisible. How do we see there is a God? How do we know that God is real? We can see him everywhere in his glory, in his creation. We can see him everywhere, but we can see him especially in the changed lives of men and women. We can see him in manifest power at times when he comes into a meeting and changes the hearts of men and women who are worshipping it and really touches the mind and the heart that men and women will, as it were, want to repent before him, want to fall on their knees before him, to worship him, to adore him, to give thanks unto him. We can see his glory all around us, but we want to look at some things about his glory that we will see him, the glory of the Father in the person of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 66 and verse 5 invites us. Notice, come and see. Come and see. If you have never beheld with an understanding the glory of God, If you've never beheld with an understanding the wonderful vision of the glory of God on the cross of Calvary, that is Christ himself dying in your place in your room instead, then you are invited tonight to come and see. Christian, when you come afresh and see, burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. Here when we say come and see, the Spirit is bidding you come. It's not the preacher Just a vocal cord, I'm just a mouthpiece. It is come and see the works of God. Come and see the sovereign work of God and the work of the sovereign God. Come and see. Notice he is terrible. What a thing to say about the Lord. We'll look at it in a few moments. He is terrible in his doings toward the children of men. This one great, immutable, invisible, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, almighty, sovereign spirit. He is so terrible in his doing toward the children of men. Now you might not hear that from a lot of pulpits tonight. And you might not hear that from a lot of preachers tonight. They might want to tell you how good he is and God is good. They might want to tell you how loving he is and God is love. They may want to tell you of his grace, and God is full of grace. Christ is full of grace and truth. They may want to tell you all the lovely and the flowery things that make one feel better. But what about the glory of God in reprobation? What about the glory of God in the election? What about the glory of God in those whom Christ has died for? Christ will save. About the glory of God in these wonderful truths? From the word of God. How can we see the invisible God. But see him manifest. Through human flesh. Stay with me. Come and see. The sovereign work of God. Point one. Come and see the sovereign. Or work of God. The psalmist in the old testament here. He's doing what the church should be doing. Tonight. Here in the new covenant. Or the new testament. In other words. He's calling the nation. The psalmist is calling Israel here. And you and I should be calling our nation as the church of God 
in our nation. Come and see the wonders of our God. Come and see the glory of our God. Come and see the Lamb of God. Come and see the works of Christ on the cross. He who shed his blood and died for you. Come and see the judgment of our God. Lest you be cast into hell. That's the message that we need to be preaching. Not some loved up, puffed up, sugar pie, plum, furry stories that we are hearing in many pulpits today. But we must be hearing the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here, the psalmist is doing what we should be doing in the church to the nation, calling them to come and see. Having something to tell them. Having something to show them. Having something that is worth their while, should they come, that they may be saved. Not only to the nation, but to the sinner, the individual, but also to all lost sheep. We should be calling across every mountain, valley, and every hue and dale. We should be crying, come and see the Savior. Come and see our God. Not come and see the preacher. Not come and see the pastor. Not come and see the minister, nor not come and see how good we are. Not come and see the worship team, but come and see the sovereign God. Come and see him in his great deliverance. Come and see him in his great salvation. Come and see the sovereign God. Look at verses 6 and 7 of our reading. Here the psalmist says, he turned the sea into dry land. Speaking of Israel crossing the Red Sea. They went through the flood on foot. There did we rejoice in him. What? This dry land when they get to the other side? You're actually going to rejoice? Brother, sister, when was the last time we rejoiced in the goodness of God? When was the last time we rejoiced at the judgment of God? Think about these things. They rejoiced in him. He ruleth by his power forever. His eyes behold the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Selah. Think about this. Think about it. Am I speaking tonight to a rebellious heart? Am I speaking tonight about a, to a heart that has rebelled against God for some period of time? A heart that has rebelled against his word, against his son and what he has done on the cross for them. Rebelled against the preaching of his word. Rebelled about anything to do with God you have rebelled and turned your back on him and walked away. Wanted nothing to do with Christ. Hear the warning. Coming judgment is at hand and it says this. It says, let not the rebellious exalt themselves. For when a man or a woman turn away from Christ, when a man or a woman lift up themselves to say, I by mine own good self, through mine own works and mine own doings, and being not just a bad person, I will receive the kingdom of God when I die or when Christ Returns. Maybe that's someone in here or someone that is listening. And the Bible says, those people, you my friend, are exalting yourself. Rather than saying, I am a sinner. I am depraved in my nature. 
I have the total and complete inability to save myself, but for the grace of God reaching me and saving my soul. That is the way a man and a woman should come to Christ. That is the way a man and a woman should wind their way to the foot of the cross. Not to a wooden altar at the front of the church, but to the cross of Christ where he shed his blood and he died. Lord, I am a sinner. Lord, I am in need of your great salvation. Lord, I know that I will go to a devil's hell should I die. I know that I will be under the judgment of the Almighty, the sovereign and almighty God. Have mercy on me, Father. Oh, sometimes we auction off the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we auction him off with an altar call of, do you want to better your life? And it's not salvation. We, 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 we auction him off with saying, let's keep coaxing the people and prodding the people and dragging the people. Let the person beside you push them up the aisle. Oh, come and wind your way to Christ. No, brothers and sisters, the true heart that's repentant will cry for mercy unto God. Say, Father, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner in need of a saviour and you alone, Lord Jesus, are he. As I said, I was saved in an altar call. I'm not against altar calls. Notice here his great deliverance. He turned the sea into dry land and went through the flood. They went through the flood on foot. He ruleth by his path river. His eyes behold the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Selah. That little word is a refrain in the music. It's a refrain in the singing as they're coming up, as it were, from verse onto chorus through the psalm. It's a little pause. Stop for a moment what you're doing and think about this. I suddenly heard yesterday morning of a friend in a, I'll not mention because I don't want his family to maybe be grieved. In another church, he was there for years from when Allison and I were there. And he was out on Friday night at a prayer meeting in the fullness of health. Fullness of health. Laughing and he was joking after and having fellowship. He wasn't an old man and he, 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 they were having a bit of carry on between some of the, uh, the men and women that were there after the meeting as they fellowship one with another. And he went to bed and he never woke up again. But he loved the Lord. And the Lord loved him. If that was you tonight. If that was you tonight. And you never woke up again. Where would you be? The work of the sovereign almighty supernatural, wonder-working God should cause, listen, the sinner to fear. The ungodly or the, the unsaved to fear, but the saint to praise. Here we are told 
that they went through the flood on foot, there did we rejoice in him, going through, as it were, that valley of the shadow of death, of the walls of water on every side, as they're making the way through. Fear had gripped their hearts, but as soon as they took the step of faith and walked through that waters of baptism onto the other side, heading into the will of God, they seen the joy of the Lord was their strength, and they began to rejoice in God's judgment. They began to rejoice in their Lord. The saint began to praise. The parted sea caused Israel to fear. And so they went according to God's word. But as they went, so their faith grew. Sometimes we say, what would I do if I gave myself to Christ? What would I do if I surrendered my life to the Lord? How would I tell my family, my friends, my wife, my husband, or whoever else? How could I live my life like this? You see, friend, you you cannot keep yourself, but he will keep you. His grace will keep you. His power through faith will keep you. The same gospel that rejoices the Christian spirit that cheers the Christian spirit and warms and soothes the Christian's heart and soul is the same gospel that warns of the penalty of sin. Look, it's no good telling people, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, oh, God loves you, and them dying not knowing Christ and going to hell. There was a rich young man came to Jesus and he says, good master, what good thing must I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus gives him some of the commandments. And young man says, all these have I kept from my youth up. What yet do I lack? I'm missing something. In other words, he couldn't keep it himself. Jesus says, sell all that you have. Give it to the poor and come and follow me. And we're told the young man went away sad because he had much goods. And we're told that as he went, and Jesus loved him. I have something to tell you. The love of God doesn't save you. The grace of God does. But love is God's grace in action. God's love sent his son to the cross of Calvary. But it's only by grace you can be saved according to the blood of Jesus. You can hear of Calvary. You can speak of Calvary. You can read of Calvary. You can sing about Calvary. You can even do things that represent Calvary if you want. But that is not the gospel salvation brought in this book. Salvation is in Christ and Christ alone. Notice this. Psalm 66 and verse 12, if you look down the chapter. He says, I brought us out into a wealthy place. Here, now the saints have something to rejoice when they look at the works of the sovereign God. They see sovereignty in action. That which they could not do for the Egyptians were coming behind them. God opens the Red Sea. They couldn't do it. It was impossible. They walked and dragged, dragged shot across the ground as the winds blew and dried the ground. They couldn't do that. They were lost. They, they would have been murdered and killed and slain by the Egyptians that were charging hard behind them. And so by God's love and grace and mercy, he opens up the sea. But yet this would also be God's judgment. Think about this. Such is the cross of Calvary. 
Such is the gospel of saving grace, yet some are saved by grace and others are lost. Verse 16, he says, Come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. Isn't that tremendous? He says, I've got a testimony. I've got a testimony of what the sovereign God has done in Israel. Oh, yes, in our nation. Oh, yes. I've got a testimony what God has done in the, in the church here. Oh, yes. And I've got a testimony to tell. But I have a testimony what he has done for my soul. For me. Have you a testimony? What God has done for your soul. How he has saved your soul. Come and see. Now I come and hear. All you that fear God. And I will give you. My testimony. Listen. The testimony. Of a saved soul. The testimony of a delivered. And a changed life. The testimony of a man and a woman meeting Christ at the cross and being radically changed from the inside out is the work of the sovereign God. It's not yourself. It's the work of the sovereign Lord God Almighty. It is an encouragement to all who are lost. All who are afflicted, it's an encouragement to those who are in bondage and are in slavery to the devil. It's an encouragement to every man and woman who suffer with an addiction, some sort of vice and temptation that the world has to offer them and they yield to it at every time. To all who are without hope in their life, this is the work of the sovereign God when he says to you, come and see the works of God. Come and see the work of God in me. The man you're looking at, he's not much to look at, but come and see the deliverance of God. The deliverance from alcohol. The deliverance from drug addiction. The deliverance of a life to do with violence. Come and see the work of the sovereign Lord and I will tell you what he's done for my soul. This man in a suit, don't let it fool you. This man was a deep-dyed sinner. This man was lost. This man was bound for hell. But the work of the sovereign God on the cross of Calvary and the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, shined in my darkness. Shined in the darkness of my heart and my life. And the light of the Lord has lit me up that I can never be the same again. Come and see the deliverance he brings. Come and see the evidence of a changed life. Not only the psalmist and myself, but many in here are saying, come and see the power of God at work today. 
We could tell you of healing testimonies. We had one this morning. We could tell you of many healing testimonies of God's work and power among the people in this place alone. Come and see it. Come and hear it. We could put it on and ask the people to show even the medical reports of what God has done. That he is the same yesterday and today and forever. Come and see all that he can do. For there's nothing that is impossible with him. Come and hear the gospel. Come and hear good news and glad tidings. Words of life. The words of the everlasting gospel. That will bring you to glory and into heaven. The kingdom of God at the coming of Christ. He's saying, I'm inviting you tonight. Come and see. Come and see. Will you come and see? He who opened the Red Sea is he who opens the heavens. To bring us out and through and to bring us to safety. He who caused the water to stand up upon two heaps. To bring Israel's deliverance from slavery and bondage through the blood of the Lamb. To bring them from cruelty and captivity and hardship. Is still he who sets the captive free. He is the same almighty omnipotent father. Who brought them out. Who can bring everyone out who calls upon the name of the Lord to be saved. He has defeated the devil. He crushed his head at Calvary for me. He crushed the serpent's head at Calvary for you. He is the same God who said to Pharaoh, Let my people go that they may serve me. And oh, he says again tonight to the devil, for you and for me, let my people go that they may serve me. Let my servant go that they may serve me. Let my child go that they may serve me. Yes, he breaks the chains that binds us. We sang tonight, my chains are gone. I've been set free. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. I just love the old course, uh, the verse from the Charles Wesley hymn. He breaks the power of cancelled sin. He sets the prisoner free. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean his blood avails his blood avails for me his blood avails for me his blood avails for me hallelujah praise the Lord he's worthy of our praise tonight Oh, he breaks the power of cancelled sin and he sets the prisoner free. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, he's already paid it. You just have to receive it and you have to believe it and it's already done at Calvary's tree. Hallelujah. What a wonderful saviour. Forgive my singing, won't you? (laughs) Blessed be the name of the Lord. He who delivered his people Israel is he who still delivers today. He who closed the open waters upon the Egyptians is still he who causes his enemies to fear. 
and righteous judgment and justice to be administered in the earth. Take note. You cannot ride the coattails of the church. Now listen. You cannot ride the coattails of the church into glory. You cannot ride the coattails of a godly parrot into glory. You cannot ride the coattails of a Sunday school teacher into glory. Of a youth worker into glory. Of a pastor into glory. Of a grandparent into glory. You cannot ride the coattails of a godly friend into glory. For you must be born again. You must be sealed by sovereign grace from the sovereign Lord God Almighty. The ungodly at the day of Christ's coming and his full deliverance will show the unsaved that may try to follow hard into the sea of his punishment to catch those coattails. They will find the waters will consume them. Egypt, they're coming down to the Red Sea and Israel are trapped and God does that which is impossible. He opens up the waters and they start walking through can you imagine some of those Israelites would have said, I'm not going, fear is keeping me back. I'm not going to take the step of faith. I'm not going to do it today. Maybe tomorrow or at the very last Israelite, I'll step across. Maybe some did that. And maybe the odd one would have said, I'm not walking through there. I'll take my chances with the Egyptian army and Pharaoh. I'll take my chances with the world and the devil. I'll take my chances. And what happens is suddenly they realize this devil's out to kill me. To seek to kill and to destroy you. Jesus said that. The thief cometh not before to steal, to kill and to destroy. He says, but I am come that they may have life. They may have it more abundantly. And here these Egyptians are coming. And maybe the old Israelite will realize this devil's going to kill me. It's time for me to get through the sea. Maybe sealed by the skin of his teeth. I don't know. But one thing we know is this. The Egyptian who did not know God were drowned when the waters came in on them. God's judgment was glorious. In recent times, I've been called a few names. <laughs> That's okay. I've broad shoulders. Out of touch. Out of date. I don't preach like that anymore. Seriously, I've been saying, don't preach like that anymore. Since when did truth become non-truth? Since when did the word be watered down but for liberalized Christians who want to become like the world and hopefully take their chances by saying to the lost, God loves you. Take a little walk up the aisle. Now be a good boy and get on with it. No. No. Save the Holy Ghost come down from heaven, brothers and sisters. Save the Holy Ghost come down to your heart. 
and say, friend, save the Holy Ghost, come and quicken you to see the Lamb of God. Save but the Holy Ghost coming to let you hear with faith the word. Save the Holy Ghost, do it. You're lost. And it's as simple as that. But oh, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Because God calls you, he says, come and hear and come and see. And see the sovereign God change your life. Save a soul that is lost. So it is good news when you're on one side of the flood of waters closing in. And bad news when you're in the middle of it. It's the same gospel. Come and see the works of God. He is terrible in his doings toward the children of men. Notice that. That's in verse 5. Look at verse 3 for me, if you will. Psalm 66 and verse 3. Say unto God, How terrible art thou in thy works. Through the greatness of thy power shall thine enemies submit themselves unto thee. Notice, the enemies submit themselves. Philippians chapter 2 tells us, Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things in earth, things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory. Sovereign glory. To the glory of God the Father. When Christ returns, there will be those who do not know him. They will see him, but it's too late. You'll bow before him. But those of us who love him, we will praise him. Notice the word terrible here is in verses 3 and 5. The word for terrible in both occasions is the word yare, and it means to fear, to tremble, to terrify, to be in dread, to have reverence of. So example, for example, in verse 3, where the psalmist is saying, Say unto God, how terrible art thou in thy works, through the greatness of thy power shall thine enemies, notice, enemies submit themselves unto thee. It gives the idea that those who are unsaved, those who are not blood-bought and blood-washed and trusting in the finished work of Calvary's cross where Christ shed his blood and died, it says, those who are not born-again Christians, in other words, he says, the word terrible is they will fear. They will tremble. They will be in dread and terrified when they see the Christ of glory. In other words, in verse 3, we have the idea of standing in awe of someone or something. And in verse 5, we have the idea of standing in awe of someone or something also. But the difference between verse 3 and verse 5 for this word terrible Even though the word is the same, the meaning is different. For example, in verse 3, God's enemies will bow before him. It means the lost will stand in awe, listen, at the fear of his power. Because he has the power to do what he will. 
And he has the power to cast the Christ rejecter into hell. In verse 5, where it says, Come and see the works of God. He is terrible in his doings toward the children of men. The idea here is that people will stand in awe also in reverence. Yes, even with a trembling. But they will stand in the love of his power, not in the fear of his power. If you're a Christian, oh, it will be a sight to behold indeed when Jesus breaks the clouds. It will be a sight to behold indeed the very first time we walk up to stand before his throne. It will be a sight that will cause us to fully reverence him. But it will be a sight to behold his glory and his power as you and I are in our glorified state in him. And as we stand before him in awe and in reverence, we will love his power. But it's the same power that will tell the others, depart from me, I never knew you. That's the gospel. And if people don't know this, we just can't say, God loves you, let's have a good time. And We just can't say, God loves you. But if you don't get saved, God's wrath is on you. That's the word of God. I notice this. Psalm 66 and 16 says, Come and hear. Come and see. Come and hear in verse 16. Come and see in verse 5. Jesus saves and Jesus keeps. So we see the glory. We see the glory of the sovereign Lord next. Secondly, the glory of the sovereign Lord. The first one, as we have just looked at, is see the works of the sovereign God. Now we see the glory of the sovereign God. Isaiah 66 and verse 18 says, The Lord says, for I know their works and their thoughts. It shall come that I will gather all nations and tongues and they shall come and see my glory. That's what I'm talking about, running into it. Christ will be on his throne and we will see his glory. He says, they'll come before me. This is last days. The days we're living in, the coming of the Lord that draweth nigh. And he says, they will come and they will see my glory. Listen, uh, the nature of God's glory is similar to that of God's works. Terrible. The nature of God's glory is similar to that of God's works. It's terrible. In other words, it causes one to fear or causes one to praise. I praise him because he has saved me. I praise him because I know him. I praise him because I love him and he loves me. I praise him for his glory and his power and his works. But if I was unsaved and know now what I know, I would fear him. Did you hear that? I would fear him. For our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. Let me show you something about his coming again. The saved stand in awe 
in the love of his glory. And the lost stand in love, awe and in fear of his glory. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 to 10. 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 7 to 10. Let's read it. And you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. And that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of his power. Let me stop there a moment. I invite you to go to other meetings sometime and see how many times, or listen online, or do what you do. See how many will read even those scriptures out. That's the scripture. I didn't make that up. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. Look, from the glory of his power. We're seeing the sovereign's glory here. Verse 10 says, when. Verse 10. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe. Because our testimony among you was believed in that day. So the glory of his power is mentioned here, and the glorified and the saints are mentioned here. Notice this. Verse 9 says, Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord? Do you know what that means? Let me just read what I've written here. It means to be driven far from God even as far as hell. It means the place of punishment will be completely devoid of God in every aspect of his character except for one, the unrelenting holy justice of God. What? Depart from me, but God is, God is omnipresent. Do you know God is even in hell? Not tormented in hell, not burning in hell. God is in the grave. He's everywhere. The idea here is from the person of Christ on his throne, God manifest in the flesh. Depart from me, all you that workers of iniquity. Depart from me. I know you're not, he will say. And that depart means as far as you can get, even to a lake of fire. The only part of God that is in these places like this is his unrelenting holy justice. People tend to think God's unfair that people may go to a hell, a devil's hell. God is unfair. Listen, 
There is no unrighteousness with God. There's no unrighteousness with God. For every single one of us, even in our very nature, have Adam's genes, and we all deserve eternal punishment. But in his mercy, he's brought you here. In his grace, he saved you one day. He called you to behold the Lamb of God that died for you. And you've seen him burying your sin in his own body on the tree and washing you with his precious blood and you called for mercy. Even his spirit give you the ability to do that. Now, there is no unrighteousness with God. Moses asked, show me your glory. Moses said, show me your glory. The Lord says, Moses, if I show you my glory, you'll die. If I show you my glory, you'll die. But there's a place, he says, there's a place beside me. Isn't that lovely? God has a place beside him for you. There's a place beside me, he says, and I'll cover you with my hand. And I let you see my back parts. You see, you can't see my manifest expression of my face. Oh, Moses talked, did he not, in the tabernacle as a man talketh face to face as a man with his friend? Yes, but not in that sense. A cloud would cover, the fire would come, but this is the uninhibited face of God. Look, when you see the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what you're seeing? You're seeing glory and deity clothed in flesh that you're not consumed. That's That's what you're seeing. Covering of deity in the face of Jesus Christ. And they nailed him to the tree. They spat on him and they beat him and they smote him with rods and with the palms of their hands. Deity clothed in flesh. And oh, should he allow his deity to be poured forth from behind that veil, he will consume them with his glory. Shows you the mercy and love of Christ. He humbled himself the form of a servant. Became obedient unto death. Even the death of a cross. Term here from the glory of his power is the word, there's a word, there's a few words for power in the Greek and the one is exousia, which means the authority, license, privilege. The second one is dunamis, where we get dynamite from the inherent power of the Word of God when it's spoken and released by the Spirit. That is the dynamite of God. Not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the dynamite of God. It is the dunamis of God, the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. So here we have the dynamite of God and the authority of the Word of God. But here is a different word. It's the word exco. Remember, Christ is on this cross. Now he's in the tomb. Now he's returned in glory. And we're standing before him. And it gives the idea of the visible expression of the inherent personal power of Christ on the throne. 
the visible expression of the inherent personal power of Christ on the throne. When he comes, they'll see his glory. The inherent power will no longer be held back by human flesh, but the glorified Son of the living God, he will open the clouds with the myriads of angels and he will come in power and glory and men will flee and will hide and say unto the rocks and the hills, cover us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne. Oh friend, this is no fairy tale we're preaching. This is no fairy tale to hear. This is no good luck charm and have five ways to have a nice day. This is no book to tell you how to become rich quick and how to be blessed in 400 other avenues. This is not about jet planes and mansions and everything else. It's about Christ and his glory. It's about the Savior. It's about the Savior. It's about the sinner. And him saving my soul. Now you think you'll get to heaven your way. And this is what it took. Time has flown on me. Give me another couple of minutes. Oh. Come and see, he says in Isaiah 66 and 18. Come and see his glory. When I come, I may be in reverence here, yes. And I may cast any crown I have at his feet. Because he alone is worthy. Oh, yes. All that may happen. We may tremble a little, but perfect love casts out all fear. And because he loves me and I know I love him, and because I'm trusting in the blood, I'll get down on my knees before him. And I will say, Thou alone art worthy to receive the glory, Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. That's glorified Christ, friend. People may say this is dinosaur preaching. I can tell you one thing. I'm going to keep preaching it. And I'll keep preaching him. I haven't time to go through the rest that I have written here because time has evaded me. But listen, come and see my glory. We will stand in awe of him, stand in love with him as he is admired in all of us. We admire him. Oh, our Savior is coming. We admire him as he breaks the clouds. We admire him because he's bought us with precious blood. We admire him. There's no one like him. In all of the universe, there's none like the Son of God. We admire him with all our hearts. And when he comes, he'll be glorified in the saints. It's not our praise glorifies him. Look, there's nothing you can do to glorify God, really. He's already glorious. (laughs) He's already glory himself. Glory personified. He is the fountain of glory. But when we praise him, we glorify him in these old tabernacles here. And we say, Lord, you're worthy of the praise. And he's glorified in the saints when he comes. It means he will be exhibited. 
His glory, that is what he has done. He has seen us. He knew us. He sent his son for us, who shed his blood for us. He has sent his spirit to quicken us, to see the son of God dying for us. He then has enabled us to call for mercy. He has carried us through and washed us in the blood and he's kept us by grace through faith unto salvation by his great power. And now comes a culmination at the coming of Christ. He comes in his glory and he is glorified because we are changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye and he alone deserves the glory for it he deserves the glory brothers and sisters look I know I get excited (laughs) but I tell you something I know where he saved me from I know what he's rescued me from And if you are the same, then you should too. I don't cheer at football matches. I'm not saying it's bad if you go and do that. It's up to people. I don't go to football matches or boxing matches. or I I don't go and watch sports and do all these things because my cheer is for Christ. I cheer every weekend for Christ. I cheer him in my praise. I cheer him in my prayers. I cheer him when I get on my knees and call for mercy. I'm cheering the Son of God. That's where my cheering is spent. Not on a football stand. Not on a ringside seat. Not on a concert of ungodly, worldly musicians. My cheer, my praise belongs to one alone. Just one. The Lord Jesus Christ. We will be resurrected by his glory, caught up in his glory, changed unto his glory, partakers of his glory, will live in his glory and adorned by his glory. So come and see. Come and see the sovereign Lord. I have about more six points there when he got through two of them. And maybe some other time we'll do them again. Come and see his glory. What sort of a person would come from not even wanting to know anything about Christ? They're getting on... Uh, like some rave lunatic Egypt the way I did. Let's be honest. I'm a fool for Christ and I don't care. You know why? Because I'm saved. Because I'm excited. Because I love him. He's rescued me. There's none like him. There's no one like the Lord. Amen. Brothers and sisters, there's no one like the Lord. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's coming. 